Hello, and welcome to this very special edition of the 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast. These special editions are available to our Patreon subscribers. And uh, in this one, this is uh, a project I've been kind of working at off and on for for quite a while. Uh, We want to take an in-depth look into the passing of the man whom I consider to be the greatest National Hockey League goalkeeper of all time, and that's Terry Sawchuk. Anybody who knows me knows just how highly uh, I regarded Terry's ability to 10 goal. Uh, he, He was just, as far as I was concerned, the greatest that I ever saw. Terry passed away at the end of May 1970 under what were then considered most unusual, if not downright suspicious, circumstances. I was always intrigued as to how the incident was covered by the news media of 1970, uh, and and that was for several reasons, which we'll get into as we go through uh, this, uh, this show. What we'll do here, basically, is tell the story over three three separate episodes. We'll begin today on how the story began to unfold around the 22nd of May, 1970, through the words of the reporters that covered it. We'll have the actual reporting as the story emerged and how it evolved over the next week. In the next segment, we'll have the reports of Terry's passing uh as it actually became known and how it was treated by various media outlets, mainly newspapers. We'll also talk about the police investigation, again, as as it was reported at the time, with the actual evidence as it was presented to the Long Island Grand Jury. Uh, They are who heard the case, and they were the ones that determined that no criminal charges in relation to Terry's death were warranted. In the final segment, what we'll do is look at the aftermath of the entire uh, incident, I guess you could call it, with some of the writing by the more prominent hockey reporters of the day uh, and how they viewed the life and times of Terry Sawchuk and how they viewed his uh, most uh, unfortunate, untimely passing. Now, at this point in time uh, in our show, We won't get into a recap of Terry's life and his accomplishments by way of an introduction because I figure that most of our listeners at least know who Terry Sawchuk was. And for those of you who may not actually uh, know the extent of of his life accomplishments, listen carefully as uh, in in and out of this uh, three, three podcast series, we will actually learn more about Terry that way than if I just recapped some legends of hockey uh, and by the way very good legends of hockey uh, profile of Terry's life. Uh, It's a matter of what sometimes is a very spirited debate over who actually was the best goalkeeper of all time and I'll say only this if the tenders of Terry's era had the equipment and mentoring to which the pretenders of today have access to. Very few goals would ever have even been scored in that era. Those goaltenders of that era, the pre-expansion era basically, were that good, and of those, Terry was the best. So this story begins in April of 1970, 
about a month before the actual reporting on Terry's death began to surface. Terry Sachuk at that time had just completed playing through the 1969-70 National Hockey League season and at that uh, point in time in his career, he was with the New York Rangers. With the Rangers, Terry had the role as the backup to regular netminder Eddie Jackman. Terry's career was at that time winding down, but Ranger General Manager Emil Francis himself, an old goalkeeper, knew that Terry could probably provide great goalkeeping on uh, certain occasions, and he was at least a decent insurance policy if anything happened to Eddie Jackman, who at that point in his career was an NHL star in his own right. Down in the minors in the American Hockey League Buffalo Bisons was a young fellow by the name of Gilles Villemier, and Francis didn't figure Gilles was quite yet ready for the rigors of an NHL schedule. In fact, at that time, he was proving himself to be the best goalie in the AHL, and that would have had an impact on Terry's future as well. So it was a well-known fact that, that, that Terry's best before date had long since passed. There was no argument about that. And there were many stories being reported at the time that Terry would be exposed by the Rangers in the upcoming Buffalo-Vancouver expansion draft. And if he were going to play in another National Hockey League season, it's quite likely it would have to be in either Buffalo or Vancouver. In fact, much of the speculation on Terry's future centered on the likelihood that the Buffalo general manager, you know who he was, Punch Imlach, Punch would spend a draft pick on Sawchuck during the expansion process. Sawchuck, of course, contributed mightily to Stanley Cup championships in Toronto during Punch's tenure as the Maple Leafs general manager. This was a reasonable suggestion uh, and actually might have been a good idea given Imlach's loyalty to former players and his penchant for picking up veterans whose better days were behind them and squeezing every last bit of value from those types of players. In uh, 1970, at this point, Terry was divorced and he was sharing a Long Island house with Rangers teammate Ron Stewart. Both of those guys played for Maple Leafs at points in their career. The house was a rental which the pair were due to vacate at the end of April and that is where the story begins, although details were not reported till late May. In fact, the first reports came out to be exact on May 22nd. From what we've been able to determine, the story was broken by Gerald Eskenazi, the fine hockey reporter for the New York Times. Here is what Eskenazi wrote on May 22nd, or at least appeared in the Times on May 22nd. It was a uh, full-page headline across the top of the sports section. Saw Chuck out of danger after surgery following fracas with second ranger. The secondary headline read, Operation held three weeks ago. Goalie loses gallbladder. Uh, And it mentioned horseplay, in quotations, with Stewart followed visit to a bar. And the story went like this. Terry Sawchuk, one of hockey's biggest names, was taken yesterday from the intensive care unit of Long Beach Memorial Hospital, where he has been a patient without fanfare for more than three weeks. He's expected to remain in the hospital at least another week. 
The 40-year-old goalie who played for Rangers last season entered the hospital under cloudy circumstances on April 29th. His gallbladder was removed and he had been listed in critical condition until yesterday. According to a Long Beach police official, Sachuk was admitted to the hospital after he said he was horse-playing on his lawn with Ron Stewart, the 37-year-old Stewart, also a New York Rangers player, is Sachuk's roommate in the East Atlantic Beach. Now, it's interesting how Eskenazi throws this next little point in there when he says, Stewart, who picked up only 14 minutes in penalties in the National Hockey League last season, reportedly tripped Sachuk by accident. The pair, both divorced, were horse-playing fairly late at night. Sachuk was admitted to the hospital at 10.45 p.m. A source close to the Rangers said Stewart and Sachuk had returned home after visiting a bar, got into an argument, and were wrestling when the injury occurred. No announcement was made of Sachuk's admittance by the Rangers, who were eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs 13 days before the incident. The floor nurse at the hospital said yesterday that Sachuk was, quote, too sick to receive any phone calls or see any visitors. Sachuk usually is ranked at or near the top when hockey's greatest goaltenders are mentioned. He starred with the Detroit Red Wings in the late 1950s and had a five-year stretch in which he permitted fewer than an average of two goals per game. Rangers general manager coach Emil Francis said that the surgery would not necessarily prevent Sawchuk from returning to hockey next season. The goalie had been reported to be going to the St. Louis Blues as part of a three-way deal involving the Toronto Maple Leafs and, of course, the Rangers. But the Rangers announced yesterday that Dennis Duperry, a 21-year-old left wing from Omaha of the Central Hockey League, would be going to Toronto along with some, quote, other considerations to complete the trade that brought Tim Horton to the Rangers this past March. The New York Daily News, uh, the other New York newspaper that we have access to, also carried the story uh, later that day. It read, Terry Sachuk of the Rangers has been a patient at the Long Beach, Long Island Hospital since April 29th under mysterious circumstances, it has been learned, and was only yesterday removed from the hospital's critical list. That's the first time we'd heard about critical condition. The Rangers' backup goalie, a 20-year veteran, considered one of the game's all-time great netminders, was injured in what is described as an accident involving his teammate and roommate, Ron Stewart, 37. The official version of the incident is that Sawchuck was injured while he and Stewart were engaged in horseplay on the lawn in front of the house the two share in the East Atlantic Beach area and that Stewart had accidentally tripped Terry. According to Detective Donnelly, Stewart and Sawchuck got into an argument in the EJ's Pub, West Beach Street, Long Beach, early in the evening of April 29th. Now listen carefully uh, to the uh, description by Detective Pat Donnelly. 
Sawchuck explained that he accidentally fell over Stewart's knee and as a result took an awful blow in the groin. The goalie had been in the hospital's intensive care unit until yesterday and it had been necessary to remove his gallbladder. The story went on to explain that the injury was not necessarily expected to end Terry Sawchuck's hockey career. He was expected to be in the hospital for at least another week and was described yesterday as being still too sick to have visitors. The injury occurred some two weeks after the Rangers were eliminated by the Boston Bruins from the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Rangers who reportedly had planned to send Sawchuck to the St. Louis Blues in a three-way trade with the Red Wings, and and that's different than what we'd heard in the uh, Times story uh, that brought Tim Horton to New York last month, had made no announcement of the goalie's injury. The Ranger Club had also announced yesterday that Dennis Dupere would be sent from the club's uh, Omaha farm team to complete the Tim Horton trade. Now, this was really big news in the hockey world, and especially in Toronto, where Terry had starred for the Maple Leafs and was instrumental in the team's last Stanley Cup win in 1967. The Times story came out too late for the Globe and Mail to have anything in its morning edition of the 22nd, but Red Burnett of the Star penned this story that very afternoon. And it's interesting the approach that Burnett takes, especially as he begins the story this way. Ron Stewart of the New York Rangers today denied he had any encounter, friendly or otherwise, otherwise with Ranger goalie Terry Sawchuk. Sawchuk has been in hospital in Long Beach, a New York suburb, for the last three weeks recovering from a gallbladder operation brought on by a wrestling match with Stewart. Stewart couldn't explain why he was blamed for Sawchuk's injury. Contacted at his summer home in Barrie, Ontario, Stewart said, it's news to me. I'm going to telephone New York and find out how it got started. Asked if he recalled wrestling with Sawchuk on April 29th, Stewart replied, I certainly do not. Offhand, I can't recall what I did on that day. How could a story like that get started? Now, back in 1970, I was seven years away from becoming a police officer. But even then, I was, in fact, I was planning on a journalism career, writing sports. And right away, I got a little suspicious on what was going on here. Years later, with the benefit of my experience and education as a police officer and as a detective, you, you see something like this and you you immediately begin to think the worst about the person that's involved. Burnett's story goes on to say that the New York reports, which quote a policeman in Long Beach, said Sachuk and Stewart, who roomed together at East Atlantic Beach during the hockey season, were quote horse playing on their lawn fairly late on the night of April 29th, when Stewart apparently tripped Sachuk completely by accident. The Ranger Hockey Club said nothing about Sawchuck's hospital stay. Burnett went on to describe uh, the operation that Terry underwent, and he also mentioned the fact that he was on the hospital's critical list in the intensive care unit uh, until yesterday, and that he was expected to remain in hospital for at least another week. Burnett reports that there were rumors in New York 
that Sawchuck had been injured in a barroom fight. Stewart, a 37-year-old hockey veteran, is regarded as one of the strongest men in the National Hockey League, although also one of the most even-tempered. He played 76 games for the Rangers during the past season, and he only served 14 minutes in penalties. Ron broke into the league in 1952 as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs before joining the Rangers in 1968. He had also played with the Bruins and the Blues. That day, the story also appeared in numerous other newspapers around North America as the wire services picked up the story. The Associated Press, the United Press International, and Canadian Press all had stories that basically said the same thing, that uh, Terry Sawchuck had been hurt during uh, a wrestling match with Ron Stewart. And in fact, the Canadian Press headline in one paper uh, read, Sawchuck hurt in boat with Ron Stewart. Uh, they all said that Sawchuck was out of danger or at least out of the intensive care unit. And that's how the story came out on the 22nd of May, uh, three weeks after this event actually had happened. Now, here's how the uh, media treated the story. It actually gets pretty interesting. On the 23rd, newspapers around the continent were filled with stories from a variety of sources. Most reliable reporting and all this was uh, Gerald Eskenazi of the Times. But curiously, neither the New York Times nor the New York Daily News would carry another Terry Sawchuck story until just about a week later. On the 23rd, morning papers around Canada carried this Canadian press story, which read, The mystery of Terry Sawchuck's injury deepened on Friday with the denial by teammate Ron Stewart that he was even involved in the incident. Sawchuck, 40, veteran backup goalie for the New York Rangers of the National Hockey League, entered Long Beach Memorial Hospital on April 29th to have his gallbladder removed. No mention of his admittance to the hospital was made and Sawchuk was on the critical list up until the, t the word of his injury leaked out on Thursday. The Canadian press then appears to quote a lot of Red Burnett's story about uh, Stewart's uh, reaction to the news of Terry Sawchuk and uh, the New York Times report that said that Stewart and Sacha could return home after visiting a bar. But Canadian papers were carrying that story. At least the morning papers were carrying that story. But one morning paper, the Toronto Globe and Mail, got into the reporting as well. There is no byline with this story, so we're not actually sure who wrote it. Uh, but it had a headline that said, Rumors Rampant, Sawchuk Recovering from Surgery. And the story uh, comes out to say, Terry Sawchuk appears to be well on the road to recovering in Long Beach Memorial Hospital, Long Island. The veteran goaltender with the Rangers was admitted April 29th and subsequently had his gallbladder removed. When the incident was discovered by reporters, details, while skimpy, were to the effect that Sawchuk was injured after tripping accidentally over teammate Ron Stewart while they were engaged in some horseplay on the lawn on the Long Island home. Later, according to this story, it was reported that the accident had occurred at a tavern on West Long Beach Street. 
Stewart, at his summer home in Barrie, denied strongly that he was involved at all in the incident. Sawchuck, reached by telephone at the hospital, hung up three times on a reporter without speaking. That's a very uh, important fact. Terry Sawchuck detested reporters of all types. Well, he didn't detest them. He did not like reporters at all, though, and he did not want to speak to them then. And at this time, he certainly did not want this story to get out. That's important as we uh, get into some other stuff later on. Now, the story goes on to say that the injury to Sawchuck and the operation were kept secret until Thursday, although he had been listed in critical condition until then. Emil Francis, the coach and general manager of the New York Rangers, said the surgery would not necessarily prevent Sawchuk from returning to hockey next season. The Rangers reportedly were not going to protect Sawchuk in the intra-league draft, preferring instead to protect young Jules Villemere, an all-star with the American League champion Buffalo Bisons. While all these stories we reported so far sort of hint that maybe there's more to this than meets the eye, Ted Blackman of the Montreal Gazette, somebody I, I really, who's writing, can be very interesting at times I didn't like, he was the first that I came across that really started to uh, ask the hard questions with his headline in his column on that Saturday in the Montreal Gazette saying, there's strange dodging in the Terry Sawchuck story. Blackman wrote, Newspaper sleuths tracked down Ron Stewart in Barry yesterday and hemmed him in the corner boards with probing questions about the Terry Sawchuck mystery. All they learned was that the 37-year-old winger's ability to dodge the check and double check has not diminished with age. Now the rest of this, I'm going to report it to you exactly as Ted Blackman write it so you can kind of get the flippant attitude that he has towards this. Uh, Blackman wrote, Terry who? Sawchuck said, quickly swallowing a Sawchuck bubblegum card, the last shred of evidence and a link between the two. How could a crazy story like this get started? I'm going to phone New York right away and find out. The crazy story was that Ron and Terry, teammates and roommates at home and away, were celebrating April 29th delighted they wouldn't see Derek Sanderson's puss for four months. The evening ended in a friendly horseplay and Sawchuck would be in the hospital. If Stewart called New York as promised, he would have discovered the story reached newsprint the way most good ones do. Careful checking, fistful of facts, and an editor's decision to give the readers what they want, even at the price of a few ruffled feathers. A reporter at the New York Daily News gathered the goods earlier this week and presented them to his superiors, showing where restraint the news decided to shelve the story, though Sawchuk at the moment was on a critical list in hospital, and that certainly qualifies as news. Miffed, the reporter handed the story to the man from the New York Times, and it hit print Thursday morning. The leak ended Emil Francis' 23-day squat in the credibility gap, a posture that did more to confirm his story than Stewart's stance did to destroy it. What about Sawchuck, Emil? He's in satisfactory condition today, said the cat. Beyond that, I know what I read in the newspapers and what the players say. Stewart denied it, 
right? Blackman further wrote, The incident occurred April 29th on the lawn outside the home. The two rangers, both divorced, shared during the season. According to Long Beach, New York police, it was, quote, horseplay, and the case remains closed as long as neither of the two gentlemen prefer assault charges, and naturally, neither will. The rangers did their best to smother the story, explaining that most teams will not divulge medical secrets, in this case, Sawchuck's gallbladder operation, when an important expansion draft is coming up. Rubbish. It was a needless cover-up, and as usual, it didn't work. Then on that afternoon of May 23rd, the Toronto Star carried an exclusive story, an interview with Terry Sawchuck as he lay in his hospital bed, although at the time no one actually knew Terry was dying, and the story, of course, was not billed as such. The story was written under the byline of Shirley Walton, special to the Star. It was known at this time that she was the wife of Stan Fischler, but her married name was not used in this story, and I will leave it to the reader to come up with their own conclusions as to why they did it this way. I was completely amazed that Terry gave an interview to a reporter, although possibly giving it to a woman reporter would have been a reason for Terry to do it. I knew Terry despised reporters, and there were already reports, as I mentioned previously, that he had repeatedly denied interviews when people called his hospital room. How did a relative unknown manage to get him to talk to a journalist at all? Well, the answer to this question was alarmingly simple. Shirley managed to worm her way into Sawchuck's hospital room under the guise of being maybe a relative or maybe just a fan. She never informed Terry Sawchuck that her only reason to be there was to get a news story. But never let ethical behavior stand in the way of getting a good scoop. Nevertheless, the story and interview were obtained without Sawchuck's permission or knowledge And we'll give you a little bit of the content here of the story, but we have some follow-up to this as well. Shirley led with this in the story. Terry Sawchuk, battered and weak in a Long Island hospital, says he will never again play Major League Hockey. I'm retired, man, the 40-year-old former All-Star goaler told me last night. Look at me. I can never come back from this. It would take more than a year to get into any kind of shape. This, Shirley was referring to, was the three weeks of hospitalization revolting from a mysterious, serious groin injury allegedly suffered while either scuffling or fighting with New York Ranger teammate and roommate Ron Stewart on the night of April 29th. And Shirley reports that Stewart denied any knowledge of the affair, as Red Burnett had reported a day earlier. Shirley also wrote that Sawchuck was told that Stewart had been contacted and denied any involvement of the incident. And uh, she says that Terry was obviously upset that the news of his situation had been leaked to the press. It was just a fluke, Terry told Shirley, a complete fluke accident. Those writers, they'll go all out to make up these stories. Walton described uh, Sawchuk as his face was pale and sunken so much that the map of scars had almost disappeared. And amazingly, he looked younger, but he was noncommittal. He merely nodded his head and made it quite clear he would not discuss this aspect of the matter any further. 
A Long Beach, Long Island police official had said that Sawchuck would not lay any complaint and had insisted that the mishap was accidental and that he fell over Stewart's knee. That seems to be the recurring theme in all the reports we've read up to this time. Walton's story goes on to actually describe more of Sawchuck's condition than the words he said. She said, seeing him is believing he will never play again. He is virtually unrecognizable as the former stone-faced veteran of 20 years as one of the NHL's most brilliant goaltenders. She goes on to write, often abrasive and harsh, he now commands naught but pity. He lies in a semi-private hospital room which is bare except for a single vase of flowers and some soft drink bottles his two oldest sons had brought to him. Walton goes on to talk about uh, Terry complaining about uh, his elderly roommate who's in the other bed in the room. And then uh, she does mention that Terry said, I really didn't think I was going to make it for a while and it was so bad that I really didn't care. They still don't know if I'll be okay. I'm full of tubes and my back bothers me as well. The article closes down with this paragraph. Although the Ranger spokesman insists he is much improved and will be all right, Sawchuck looks very, very ill. He's lost 20 pounds during his ordeal and suggestions that he would be going to the St. Louis Blues next season, as has been rumored for some time, were quickly scotched. The article ends with this quote, I'm through. So, of course, like many, many other hockey fans, we're wondering how exactly did Shirley Fischler get into Terry Sawchuk's hospital room? And how did she get him to even give an interview to a reporter? Well, I can't explain it, but Shirley Fischler can, and she did, although it took a few months for that part of the story to come out. The November issue of Hockey Illustrated magazine carried an article under the byline of Shirley Fischler now, no longer Shirley Walton, and the article was entitled Terry Sawchuk's Last Interview. Shirley says in the story that when the news of Sawchuk's hospitalization broke in the New York Times, everyone wanted to know the real story behind how Terry ended up so badly badly injured but no one could find out the rangers weren't talking and it was well known among sports writers that sawchuck generally loathed the media that's right everyone knew that fact that wasn't just fans that was everyone but yet there he was in the long beach new york memorial hospital for three weeks and for all the media could accomplish he might have well been as she says in sing sing prison so here in Shirley's own words in the story is how she managed to get into the Sawchuck hospital room. She writes, while Terry Sawchuck didn't know me, he would have recognized the name Fischler since my husband had been covering hockey for many years, but he wouldn't recognize the name Walton, my maiden name, which I use for a radio show I do in New York City. So armed with a large bunch of flowers and resolute in the knowledge that I was attempting to reach an irascible man who hated the press and all forms of publicity, I drove out to the hospital on the evening of Friday, May 22nd. Getting into his room was surprisingly simple. Terry seemed to be recovering from the two operations, one for the removal of his gallbladder, so he had been removed from the intensive care ward to a semi-private room. 
As I walked into his room, the first thing I saw was a very old man in the first bed. He seemed to be very ill and he coughed constantly. Then I peeked around the yellow curtain dividing the room and there was Terry Sawchuck gazing out of his large window overlooking Reynolds Channel. We, we startled each other. He didn't have the foggiest notion who this strange woman was, and he was so profoundly changed that for one agonizing moment, I thought I was in the wrong room. She asked Terry if that was actually him, and he said yes, replying very weakly, Who were you? She told him she was Shirley Walton, a Ranger fan who had watched him play and having read of his injury, had come out to see for herself how he was and Shirley says all of this was true she writes I waited for him to ask if I was a reporter but he didn't he was happy to have a visitor and immediately began to ask me what it was like outside and where I lived she should have told him she was a reporter and that his words would be used in a story but she made that conscious decision not to do so because she knew full well that Terry Sawchuk would not talk to a reporter. Shirley wrote a bit about uh, what Sawchuk looked like uh, and then she had this very interesting uh, paragraph. I forgot about the Terry Sawchuk I had watched after games. The Terry Sawchuk who ignored reporters and admirers alike. The Terry Sawchuk who rudely shoved young autograph hounds from his path. I saw Terry Sawchuk, the lonely man, ill and weak in a hospital bed. The Terry Sawchuk who was eager for company and flowers. And I was suddenly sorry that I had come. But I had an assignment and I had gotten where no one else had been and I had to finish it. The rest of the story uh, uh, in Hockey Illustrated was Shirley describing the conversation with Terry, which basically centered not around the incident that landed him uh, with such terrible injuries, but he did talk about some things in general, including his two sons, of whom you could tell Terry was quite proud. And uh, Shirley then says that she decided to cut the visit short when a nurse came in with a vase for the flowers, and she left. Now comes the, the, a really strange part of this story, uh, and as a huge Terry Sawchuk fan, I, I was waiting for news on this, and for the better part of the next week, there was no news. Uh, there were some wire service reports that surfaced in some newspapers around the country, but they were mostly regurgitating reports that had uh, been made before. And even on the 26th of May, in the Toronto Star, Milt Dunnell, their great uh, sports editor for many years, now semi-retired as a columnist, he mentioned that Sawchuck was not likely to be retained by the Rangers with this little uh, post at the end of his daily column, which wasn't about Terry Sawchuk. Uh, Milt wrote, if Terry Sawchuk recovers from his mysterious injuries in time, he's supposed to be on the staff of the new Hyde Park Hockey School near New York. It's a Ranger promotional school. The Rangers almost certainly will unload uh, Sawchuk if he's not picked up in the expansion draft. So that takes us to the end of this first segment of our, our trilogy on uh, the passing of Terry Sawchuk and how the media treated it. Uh, we will pick the story up 
um, May 29th when uh, the uh, papers start to report more on the Sawchuck story and of course the announcement of Terry's passing which came late on the 31st and uh, most people were finding out on the morning of June 1st. We'll have all that reporting in the next segment of the special edition of the 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast. (music) 